Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Anyone else sick of seeing drunk NFL fans throw fists in the stadium every weekend? You can tell me all you want that, hey, everybody's got a camera. That's become a thing. Everybody's got a camera. It's just that the cameras are there now capturing it. You can tell me that all you want. I don't buy it. It might be true. There are more cameras there. It might be true that because of it, we can see the fights. But I was at a lot of stadiums as a kid. And I was at a lot of stadiums as a young sports writer covering the NFL many years ago. Tara Lowens was at wide receiver for the 49ers. I was at the stadium. Rich Gannon was at quarterback for the Raiders. I was at the stadium. I didn't see fights, even in Oakland. That's right, in Oakland where it was rough. Had the perception, the black hole. Smell of marijuana in the stadium. I didn't see fights, not like I'm seeing now. In Philadelphia, in San Francisco, in Washington, D.C., in Arizona, Dallas Cowboys fans fighting. I'm just seeing it more. The NFL's got a problem there. The NFL has some things it's going to have to deal with, right? The NFL players are upset about the natural turf or the synthetic turf. The Players Association going to make that an issue. The uh, the NFL's got, you know, the world by its uh, tail. It's got the best TV deal. It's got the biggest footprint. But I think it has a problem at the stadium that it has to address. I don't know if that is a lifetime ban for anybody who is engaged in a assault at a stadium. I don't know if it's um, you know the, them saying, "Look, we're just not going to tailgate like we used to. We're going to eliminate the period of time that you can tailgate." I don't know if that helps. I don't know if it's um, perhaps limiting alcohol sales inside the stadium. I don't know what is going on. Maybe it's just we have lost our civility and uh, you're out there blowing a .12 and your football team's not winning and you turn into an obnoxious drunk because you can't handle your alcohol and so you clench your fists and you uh, decide to take it out on some guy who's wearing the other team's color. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't think it makes you tougher. I don't think it makes your team better. And it certainly doesn't help the experience for anybody there. You know, I, I keep thinking, my kids want to go see an NFL game, and I keep thinking, nah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I uh, how good I feel about that. College football stadiums, I think, are better, but there are still some cases, and I've certainly seen baseball games in recent years, Dodger-Giant games that end up with uh, people at the end of the game hospitalized or in a coma. I mean, give me a break. It's a sporting event. Can we just get back to rooting for the teams? And it being like, this isn't life or death, and if you're throwing a punch and you're inside a stadium, uh, there's something wrong with you? Can we get back to that? On that note, I want to bring on Greg Biggins, 24-7 sports. He's the national recruiting guru, and he joins us now. What do you make of all these NFL fans throwing fists at the stadium? Isn't it crazy? It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It's, you know, that's why you got to get good seats. I know that kind of maybe that sounds arrogant, but... No. Uh, 
you just be careful where you sit. Always know your surrounding. You sit down. You look to see. I immediately always sit if I go to a concert or a game. I immediately look around and try to see if I can find troublemakers. I kind of so from the get go, I kind of already have my my, my guard up at all times. Do you think so John Wick that, and me? Yeah. Do you think John Wick and you? Do you think that more fights are happening in cheaper seats? That there's a correlation oh, 100%. with the? You think so? Well, I mean, you, you see this, you see the videos, right? And it's always in the upper deck. You hardly ever see, you know, 50-yard line. If it's a basketball game, it's not courtside seats. If it's baseball, it's not, you know, right there in the you know, field level. There's... It's almost always upper deck. You know, I think those people maybe tendency to get there, and they pay the cheaper seats, so they drink more because they can. And one thing leads to another, and all of a sudden guys are swinging on each other. It's ridiculous. I appreciate you yeah. coming on. I'm not I a want... fan. Of course, I want, I, I'm with you, man. And I, th- I think, I think we should shame them. I think, first of all, I think we're doing a good job in this segment of shaming them. But you're right; like we don't see uh, the cats in the luxury suites throwing fisticuffs, do we? Just ban them, ban them for life. That's what you got to do. I don't necessarily believe that you should cut people off at a certain time of the game because most people can can handle it, can handle their drinks. Just ban those and get rid of them, and there you go. Greg Biggins, spitting wisdom on the show. That's why we bring him on. Uh, I want to talk recruiting a little bit. Oregon, Colorado, a lot of recruits there. Washington playing good football. Got a bunch of recruits following what they're doing. What do you see happening? Trends, interesting things as it pertains to the Pac-12 and recruiting? Doesn't it kind of like as a Pac-12 guy, um, isn't it just the most classic thing that this is the best year the Pac-12 has had, and how how long and it's it's the end of the end of the line right now? I think yeah. Oregon and Washington are both really really good teams. I think USC is really good. Uh, I mean, you got all three of those teams. Utah is always going to be Utah. They're always going to play tough. I mean, you got four teams in the top ten right now. UCLA is good. Oregon State's good. Uh, Wazoo was very good. It, it's unbelievable to me how how good these teams are in the very last, very very final season, but. No, just watch, I only watched the first half of the Oregon-Colorado game, but Oregon looks so good defensively. And Bo Nix is, is having a phenomenal year. they got two running backs. They're, they're deep at receiver. Washington might have the most fun offense I've seen, not just this year, but, God, I, I mean, Ryan Grubb, OC, I'm not trying to get rid of him, but, like, he's got to get some head coaching job offers after the season's over. He's unbelievable getting guys open. And, obviously, USC has the best player in America. Uh, defense just seems to be average for them to beat you. I think all three of those teams are legitimate playoff teams. And, um, yeah, I think it's what, what a fun year as a Pac-12 fan to, to watch not just those three, but, God, the whole conference. When Oregon beats Colorado the way they did, uh, you know, I think some are holding it up saying, great weekend for Oregon. They just showed recruits that that's the place to be. Don't listen to the message from Colorado. But I kind of left going, you know, I wonder if Greg will tell us that Colorado could sell the idea to recruits, hey, you can play tomorrow. Uh, you're going to go to Oregon, you're, you know, it's going to take you two years to get on the field. We need seven dogs right now is what Coach Prime said yeah. in his, in his postgame. No, I mean, it, it's a relationship business. Recruiting is all about relationships. And Coach Prime, love him or hate him, or just be like, it seems like he's very polarizing, right? It's kind of like, you know, Kobe in his prime. I was always a Kobe guy, but a lot of people, even Laker fans, just were not into him. I think Prime is either you, you love him or you, you hate him. I, you know, kids love him, and that's what that's all that really matters, right? And so he resonates with your 16-, 17-, 18-year-old high school guy, 
and even a lot of these mom and dads are are fans of him. So they could lose by 40. I expect them to probably get blown out by USC as well. They could go 500, and he's still going to recruit great because he comes in your house or he calls you on the phone, and you're going to listen to him. So saying all that, uh, Oregon obviously is going to recruit great because they already do, and they have been for the last I don't know how many years, and that's going to continue. I mean, they looked so good. It was uh, I was so impressed with just not just how hard they play, but you know just defensively. You know, Shadur Sanders, I, I became a, a believer, and, and they made him look like me playing quarterback. I mean, just blew up the offensive line. They're all in him. And, I mean, that you, you win with defense. Like, I'm already kind of salivating at the Oregon defense versus that Washington offense matchup in a few weeks or whenever it is. It might be longer than a few weeks, but um, that's going to be fun. But long-winded way uh, of saying Colorado's going to recruit great because of prime. You mentioned it, early playing time. I don't know if you've been a bowler before. It's probably one of my three favorite campuses it's beautiful there but Oregon is going to be just fine as well so it's a win-win I think for both sides Greg Biggins 24-7 sports is our guest uh, Greg is there a prime recruit that is out there that is looking at USC looking at Oregon looking at Washington uh, that comes to mind as a guy that we should be watching to see which way he falls this season no um, you know what it's kind of weird so Brandon Baker committed yesterday um, to Texas, you know, he was a guy who kind of, you know, rode off SC early. Oregon probably led a year ago at this time. He was really close with Adrian Clem. And, um, but in the 2024 class, the only, you know, guy that's still out there who, who's kind of a national guy, I'd say Aiden Breland also happens to be from modern day. Oregon is in his final three. Um, so is Georgia. Um, I, I think it's kind of those two. Miami is the other, other school. USC's not really involved, but there's a few 2025s, uh, honestly, that I think could be like Oregon, USC lanes right now. But it doesn't seem like years past where you did have a, a whole, you know, several, you know, nine, ten players, West Coast kids who, you know, their final two were, were those two schools. Now, things can change, but as of right now, on top of my head, I, I can't really think of that one marquee guy. DJ Uyunglele has been all right at Oregon State. There is now some talk. Jonathan Smith was asked today, would Aiden Childs start to play more? DJ's looked a little mechanical. He looks like he's overthinking. He's slow with some of the reads. You know, he's not the reason they lost to Washington State. But Jonathan so far staying with him. How important is it that DJ gets some confidence? You know the kid. Extremely confident because obviously it's not, this isn't your, your high school kid who's coming in and having some, some issues for the first time. This is this would be a second time, right? He went to Clemson, had a, a lot of early early success, and then you know that that sophomore year, you know, excuse me, his junior year, struggled badly and got replaced. And, and now he's at Oregon State, had a great first game. You, you read some of the message boards and Twitter, and, and people are all over, you know, Dabo all over Clemson. Um, there are you know memes everywhere saying, you know, and I was like, dude, be careful. I go, I, I feel like in in life in general especially sports or too early to you know to bury somebody and too early to crown someone and i go to small sample size i love dj but dude let, let's let's wait let's see a few more games before we say hey the next pat mahomes and and the last couple games like you said i didn't see the wazoo game i saw some highlights he does hold the ball a little bit that was an issue even back in high school um 
biggest issue why we had Bryce Young rated higher was just progressions and anticipation and those kind of throws. So I think confidence for DJ is huge. Um, I still think that he is confident. Uh, just Jonathan Smith, I think, is the perfect coach for him. He's, he's going to probably give him, you know, some some easy throws. And let's give Wazoo some credit, right? You know, they're they're a good football team. But, yeah, I, I think DJ, I still have some faith in him, but I also i am a big Aiden Childs fan too. So I would definitely have him ready, and hopefully DJ can ride this out. We're talking to Greg Biggins, national recruiting editor, 24-7 sports. Uh, look, uh, the way that programs recruit kids now with Transfer Portal, what can you tell, like, the average listener who isn't tuned into that world? How different does it feel? How important is the NIL Collective today, maybe versus six months ago, when this stuff was all brand new? Uh, I mean, I don't know if anything's changed between now and, and six months ago. I mean, the reality is NIL is here. And you talk about the portal, you know, a lot of these elite, elite portal kids, the, the biggest thing they're looking for is NIL. So if you want to get some of these elite transfers, you need to have a, a really good NIL collective. The portal has radically changed high school sports, high school recruiting, because I've said it so many times, but, you know, if, if a typical, you know, college, you, you have your 25 scholarships, you give them to 25 high school kids. Now you're seeing those scholarships go maybe 15 high school and 8 to 10 uh, or portal, and you're going to hold on to a couple because that portal is ever-evolving, and there's different windows where it can open and close, and schools don't want to don't want to risk not having a spot available. So they're not even going to fill that 25-man limit anymore. They're going to always keep those spots up. So when that portal opens back up, they, they have room. So, yeah, it's, it's radically changed. And I'm talking even schools like Alabama and Notre Dame and Ohio State, you know, they're even adding portal kids. So it's not just – I think we talked before – uh, John, you know, Oregon State, I thought, did a great job, and, and UCLA as well, early on, kind of being, you know, we call them portal schools, so they're going to, you know, not always, maybe they're not able to get the, the high-end high school kids so they can get the bounce back, and he's going to be great for them. Now we're seeing everybody is really using that portal, Colorado, Lincoln Riley's first year, and, and so it, it's radically changed recruiting, and um, yeah, it's not, I don't think it's going anywhere. Greg, uh, you know, advice you give to high school parents a lot listen to this show they want their kids to be seen you know it's kind of a different question i'm sure than you get when you go on most radio shows and want to ask you about a player or a program but what do you tell parents who want their kids to be seen do they need to invest in scouting services private lessons do they need to sit back and you know rely on their kids talent to to attract attention how early should they have social media accounts? Do parents need to be helping them run those accounts? I've had parents ask all those questions. Yeah. God, you just asked me about 12 questions, John. I don't know where you want me to start off with. That, start with but, the social media. Um, start with the social media. Should parents of high-level high school kids be sitting down with their kid going, hey, your brand is important. Let's help sort of construct your social media presence. Yeah, no, so I'm actually, I'm actually good with that. Um, I'm not. What I'm not good with is when the parent literally runs the kid's Twitter. And when I say run it, I mean like he pretends like he's the kid. And if you get a DM, this happened to me multiple times where you DM, you're thinking you're, you're DMing the player, and it's the parent. And you can always tell it's the parent. You know, by the way they tweet, and you meet them in person, you're like, hey, this is <laughs> like the same kid who's been tweeting stuff out. So I just now, if a parent, like I'm a very protective parent, I, I think you should oversee. They're DMs because, again, you don't want, you know, these young girls slide in there too often or vice versa. But I think you should oversee, but let the kid run his own. Let him tweet his own. Let him answer a coach on his own. Advise, but don't be that overbearing. 
um, you know, parent that, that literally is talking to the parent or talking to a coach and pretending to be the kid. But you got to be proactive. I, I think that's where, you know, be be proactive, have a plan. Um, that starts with, you know, having your huddle, update it in your Twitter bio, have your high school, have your accurate height weight, don't fudge it by two inches and 20 pounds, be accurate <laughs> right there. Um, you know, put the what grad year you are, if you're 25, put that on there. And, you know, so you, I always say, there's a, always been a saying, that if you're good, they'll find you, but make it easier to find. You know, thank God nowadays with, with Huddle, but way back in the day, you had to send out those giant VHS tapes to colleges. And then all of a sudden we had CDs, and now we have huddle links you can just send. So it's a lot easier now. But, yeah, I, I think having a great tape, um, we're, we're big on, on multi-sport athleticism. If you play a you know for a school and, and maybe you're not being noticed, but you're an elite skill guy and you can go out and track and you run a sub-11, that's going to be huge for you. I, I, we're, we're bigger on that for skill players than 7-on-7. Than seven seven. I know some people think you got to play 7-on-7. Seven seven. I'm not a 7-on-7 seven seven hater. I think there's value in it. But I'd say be a multi-sport athlete first. Play big guys, wrestle, throw the shot discus. Skill guys, track, basketball, soccer, volleyball, whatever it is. Because uh, we our rankings are based on the NFL draft, and we take the NFL draft every year. We go back and see what those guys are like in high school. And guess what? Almost every guy drafted back in high school was a multi-sport guy. Um, you know, they were two-way guys. You know, wide receiver DB, they played running back and linebacker, O-line, D-line. So it, not all schools allow you to do that, but – uh, all that stuff translates to the, to the highest level. So, yeah, market yourself. Um, but the best thing is just be good. You know what I'm saying? Like, have good tape and don't be like – I, we get calls from parents asking why their son isn't rated higher and he hasn't even played a varsity snap yet. And you're going, dude, like, why, why are you asking? Like, he hasn't even – he had as many catches as I did last year. Well, he has five offers. Okay, but you can't commit to any of them because they're all fake because you paid a guy to get you some fake offers to help you market yourself. I go, that's great for you. I'm not judging, but we're not going to rank you based on your fake offer. Go wait a minute. Wait, that there. happens? People get fake offers? All the time, dude. Yeah. it's Again, I think it's a West Coast. It's probably more of a Southern California thing, I'll be honest. But, no, like, it's people will hire people to go kind of manage their recruitment, and they somehow find a way to, to get these kids offered up. I mean, you see guys with eight, in eighth grade getting offers. We know those aren't real, right? Or freshmen who are getting offers that before they play a down yet. And it's some of it is with the hope that if the player ends up blowing up, you can say, "Hey, we were first. But a lot of them, it's all just a, a big scam. To hey, I know these aren't real, but you know it's going to help this kid get in the door of other schools. Other schools will see him if he has these other offers. And, and it's it's um, it's probably kind of a revelation that we've seen the last five years. I don't wow. love it. It makes it extremely hard for me because I'll always be honest with the with the family and say. Hey, um, here's why uh, you know your son not, might not be rated as high as you are because those offers. You know, call Georgia right now and try to commit to them, and they'll say, "Well, what do you mean? <laughs> well, you you had this offer from from Florida State. Go ahead and try to call commit to them right now and and get back to me and let me know what happens." And they never do. I never had one. I, I, John, one time I want somebody to call my bluff. One time, it's going to be interesting when it does. But typically, they say like, "Well, I don't get it. We we thought." I go, "No, no, you don't have a real offer. I know you you think you do." But just wait until you're a junior and you can start getting correspondence from coaches, and that's when you really know who's interested. Um, you know, when you start getting real phone calls and you start getting real camp invites and you start getting, like, campus official visit invites, 
that's when you know you're a recruit, but you, you can't be based just off of this other other fluff. We don't value the fluff. We value, you know, more of the kind of a timely way to say, like, we, we value more of the, the style over substance. I kind last, of quoted Coach Landon right there, didn't I? No, that's great. It's fantastic. I love it. Uh, my last question, Oregon State, uh, Washington State, not having a conference, how much does that impacting their recruiting right now, or are they able to tell kids, be patient with us, wait and see? Yeah, no, I've yet to talk to a kid who said, yeah, I'm not interested in Oregon State because I don't know what conference they're in. I haven't, I haven't heard anyone say that yet, so I'm sure the schools are doing a good job of letting them know, hey, we're going to be good, we're going to find a conference. And honestly, I, you, you look at the success of, of – I don't think you have to be in a Power 5. I think both those two schools are Power 5 schools, 100,000%, not just in football, but all, all sports, right? Um, but I, I don't think you have to go. Like, if, For example, and I'm talking total hypothetical, I have no inside knowledge at all, but – if they are to go to the Mountain West, that that should not hurt them at all because I think the Mountain West. I'm a I'm a you know I'm a West Coast homer. is a great conference. I've long been a fan of Boise State and San Diego State, and Fresno State, and, and those schools. They get great kids. They develop them. They get them drafted every single year. They can compete. And honestly, if if they expand the college football playoff to eight teams and you give the Mountain West with those teams now a automatic invite. I don't think I don't think it's going to crush anybody. I think they'll both be fine. Hopefully, they can they can find a spot because you know I, I do like what both schools are doing. Um, again, I'm being long winded, but uh, to answer the question, I haven't seen it negatively impact their recruiting just yet. Yeah, I, I kind of think that if they do say, look, we're going to play as the Pac two next year, but we're going to fund ourselves like we're a Power Five. I just think the kind of kid that's picking Oregon State or Washington State probably isn't going to change. It's going to be that kid who goes, you know what, I, I identify with that. I want to be part of that. That's my identity, too. The reality was, and this isn't to insult either school, but, you know, Oregon State, Wazoo, they weren't going to they weren't gonna go into Texas and beat out Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma for a kid anyway, right? So they, they already were recruiting at a different level of play. They're not, they're not going into Southern California and out-recruiting USC, Oregon, or Ohio State, they, they go after a different level of kid. I think that different kid is still going to be there, still going to be available. Um, those two schools are going to are going to beat teams by great coaching, great development, great scheming, and so yeah, I I, I do think they're going to be fine. I know it's probably super annoying for their fans because they're seeing how good these teams are and they're beating right. teams from Power Five programs. It's got to be annoying as heck, but I I think in the long run they're both going to be good. Greg Biggins, you're the best. Thank you. I appreciate you. You're the best. I'll, I'll catch you down the road. There he is. Greg Biggins. Mic drop in there. There he goes. Leave it here. Anna's popping into the studio. I don't know what we're going to talk about, Taylor Swift, but it should be interesting, Taylor Swift. And we'll have more after the break. Taylor Swift. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Swift uh, showed up in Kansas City over the weekend to see her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, uh, scored a touchdown. The haters are calling it a sham. They're saying uh, this is a PR stunt. The romantics out there are saying this is just like watching some guy in high school drive off in a convertible with uh, 
the prom queen uh, sitting next to him in the... He drove off literally in a convertible after the game with Taylor Swift sitting shotgun. Anna's in the studio to bring some clarity to the conversation. It's not her boyfriend yet. Well, she shows up at the game. That's kind of like... That's a, that's a boyfriend situation. Is it not? I don't think you can say that until she declares or he declares like that they're officially boyfriend and girlfriend. I got two takeaways. They're just hanging out, John. Come on. Yeah. yeah they're just out. talking. They're talking. I don't know. She looked really happy when he scored a touchdown. That's okay. Uh, big... You can look happy for someone that you're just talking Maybe to. Maybe she had money on the Chiefs. <laughs> she had the Chiefs she, minus she, she, 13. She probably had the Chiefs and Travis Kelsey touchdown. <laughs> I thought that was the easiest NFL, that was the easiest NFL game to call by the way. Um I I put up a uh, a tweet yesterday a poll on Twitter. Oh boy. More impressive. Your NFL team scoring 70 points as the Dolphins did against the Broncos or Taylor Swift in the house rooting for your team. Which is more impressive? 1300 people have voted. 34 minutes left in the uh in the voting. 56% saying 70 points is more impressive than Taylor Swift being in the house rooting for your team. I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, another takeaway. Quick takeaway. I think the real loser in this whole thing, I don't think Travis Kel- it's going to be Travis Kelsey, although he does run the risk of having a song written about him. I think the loser is Brittany Mahomes, who was <laughs> the shot in the... She was previously... Let's cut to the fan shot in the press box or in the suites. It's Brittany Mahomes. It's Brittany Mahomes. Uh-uh. Didn't see any of her. Upstaged. N- not going to see her at all as long as Swifty's in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. You know, um, throughout the course of the day, when I see sto- sports stories that might be included in the 5 at 5, I have a little folder that I save them in under news. Sports news. And then I move them to the Today folder once I finalize, okay, these are the five that I'm going to do. But I, moments ago, created an entirely new folder Uh called Swift Kelsey because we're not really going to include this in the five at five every day. We're probably just going to, you know, it's like bloodletting. We're going to talk about it and then we're going to move on because everyone's going to get sick of it in uh, probably an hour or two. They have to be dating. Right? They're dating. Well, they're dating. Well, they said maybe they were dating, and then she showed up, and then now you're saying maybe they're boyfriend-girlfriend. That's a boyfriend-girlfriend situation. You don't bring Taylor Swift to meet mom at the football game unless you are a thing. That's a thing. Let's review all of the relevant news um, that pertains to this. First of all, I find it somewhat charming impressive i guess that she cheered with such enthusiasm next to travis kelsey's mother that she was dropping f-bombs as there was a touchdown happening like i don't know about you but i waited about a year or two before i dropped an f-bomb in front of my mother-in-law wow this happened i think you know i think maybe it hasn't even happened i still don't know if i have cussed in front of my parents i know well yeah see so um Make that, you know, what you will. Uh, Bill Belichick's weighing in on the Taylor Swift-Travis Kelsey situation. He said Travis Kelsey has had a lot of big catches in her his career. This would be the biggest. Oh, he's impressed. Well, Belichick is apparently a big Swifty. I That's didn't know hilarious. that until less that than makes 24 a lot of sense ago. to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, then there was the whole, like, you know, walking out. There were rumors that she snuck out in, like, a popcorn cart. 
but that was uh, dispelled. I saw that. That's how, uh, that that was started because that's how she comes into some of her concerts. They sneak her in that way. Yeah. No, uh, onto the stage. She walked out with I his just family's think, entourage. Do you think it's poor form for fans who are at the game to see on TV or on social media that she's at the game and then to stake out the sweet entrance no. to try to get a picture with her? No. I think it is. Why? I, I, she's not there in her capacity as a 12-time Grammy Award winner. They you can't know? help it. She's not there in that capacity. Leave her be. Okay. No? Well, way to take the higher road, but, I mean, I guarantee if we were at that game and any of our daughters figured out that Taylor Swift was at the game, they would be asking to go, like, line up in a place where they could get her signature and take a picture. I know. Our nine-year-old now is asking me to play Taylor Swift songs so much in the car that when I get in the car by myself, Taylor Swift automatically <laughs> comes on and it's blaring. I have to look around like, who's looking at me? Who's watching? I don't think this is PR. People, the haters are saying it's all about PR, whatever. I just, she doesn't, this is not her M.O., if this were Kim Kardashian, I'd be like, oh, come on, eye roll. What is she doing? She's trying to capture a segment of the audience. It's not. And then Travis Kelsey, he doesn't do this either. This is this would be highly out of character for both of these people if this were a PR stunt. I don't think Travis Kelsey has been shy as far as self-promotion goes. I mean, the guy is everywhere. He did a dating show, like you know, one of the yeah. looking for love shows. Yeah, oh, but that's fine. You, that's different, though. But it, it, he hasn't, like, dabbled with like dating 14 different Hollywood starlets. Like, this is his first, as far as I know, this is his first foray into, uh, you know, the music industry. Yeah. You know? In the music <laughs> He's getting in the business. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And um, she, like, it's not like she's dated, like, the New York Times. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.